listening to the Gods to Ghost Volleyball podcast with your host Scott Bemke. Our podcast today features part one of our interview with legendary beach volleyball god Tom Shamalis. Over his career, TC won 12 Opens on the beach, including the 1974 Manhattan Beach Open, which is considered to be the Wimbledon of beach volleyball. That same season, Tom was named the Beach Player of the Year, winning seven tournaments with four different partners, which is very rare to do. In 2008, he was inducted into the California Beach Volleyball Association Hall of Fame, and then again was recognized this past year in 2020 for being one of the all-time greats in the sport. Indoors, Tom played for the legendary coach Al Skates at UCLA in 1973 and was an IVA competitor from 75, 76, and 77, and then also competed at the USVBA Indoor Nationals and was a second team All-American in 1975. Most importantly, TC is one of the greatest, nicest guys you'll ever meet, and as great as he was on the court, he's an even nicer and more humble guy. Honored to have had the chance to interview him. Enjoy part one. I grew up in the Santa Monica area, from my understanding, and attended Santa Monica High School with Jimmy Mingus and got your start in the sport um, with him and some other friends up in Sorrento, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Tell us about those early days in your career in, in starting in the sport and what it was like being at Sorrento and what some of your most memorable moments were, you know, playing there and hanging out in that infamous scene, Tom. Well, uh, yeah, it was an interesting scene. I, I, my mother and my brother moved from the Valley to Santa Monica in the second semester of the eighth grade, and thank goodness we did, right, because I ended up uh, ending up at Sorrento playing beach volleyball. And I was a surfer and um, was ditching uh, the first couple of years quite a bit of school in high school to go surfing and, well, and uh, leave the first year. And then my basketball coach said, Tom, you have to start, you have to make a decision between surfing and basketball. And right, right at that time, my board got sold. And so that was an easy, easy decision. Uh, I started to focus on basketball and uh, played two years there at San High. And then... Uh, what the only we played one year of volleyball, but the one year of volleyball, my senior year, it was just one tournament. Well, it wasn't really a tournament. We played state uh, Palisades High one time, so there was no really volleyball teams, or uh, you know, there was no league. So Wiles uh, Roddick was our coach in high school, and and I can't remember, you know, if it was probably my uh, being a surfer, being around Santa Monica. I can't remember exactly when I started to go to Sorrento. I would imagine around 16, 17 years old. And, um, you 
you know, and being this Denmark guy, Jim Migas was behind me, and then I had a lot of friends a year ahead of me, and uh, that were, you know, that were all athletes, you know, football and baseball, and and but was great. Uh, Scott is that these guys would all come down to Sorrento as well. So we, even, and they were good athletes, but maybe they didn't go as far in beach volleyball. But we would all hang out and we would play against each other and go in the water and swimming. And and then Jim and I believe we won a B and we won an A. And uh, coming up and became very good friends. I mean, I used to go to his parents' house. His brother John and Jeff and his mother Jean and Jack and play cards up up in Malibu and and uh, and that was just you know the, the Sorrento Beach at that time was just so unique. We called it the Sorrento Beach Club. And Wally Busby and his wife Yoshi brought King down every day and probably like people go to the Belware Bay Club or go to the Sands Deep Club or go to the Jonathan Club. We went to the Sorrento Club. And we had guys like Bob Ramos, a player nicknamed Boots, and Phil Mitchell, and uh, of course Randy Niles, and Moki, Bill Ruitt, ahead of me at Samuel High, athletes. Of course, Randy Niles' daughter, you know, a tremendous pro player. Randy was a tremendous athlete, drafted by the Angels. My dear friend Steve Olin, Brody Greer, Randy Sieber. So we had this so unique about it. Volleyball was happening, but we had this friendship with the guys older than me at Samo High, and then you know some younger people that were all hanging out. And those friendships still exist today, which makes it you know really pretty, pretty, pretty fantastic. So you know, uh, there's there's so many uh, you know like uh, I heard some of the previous players interviewed, and you know Don uh, Steer and his wife Patty Steer, and all the girls were up kind of the. Uh, north of Acord, and uh, just kind of remember, for me, yeah, I just kind of remember at a very young age seeing Van Hagen, and uh, thinking, geez, look at that, you know, they were so dominant, and I always remember, you know, I always thought about that team in retrospect, that, you know, Lang just drove that team, you know, Ron's a super player, but Lang, I just remember being on his knees, setting the ball perfect. Hit Ron, hit Ron, just would drive him, you know. And uh, so to have that beginning, have that friendship from people that you know, hanging out at the beach, going swimming in Santa Monica, having a beer, looking at all the beautiful women, it was quite a start. And how lucky we all were, you know, to be in Southern California. I guess we're, I, I hear that Duke Kahanamoko invented beach volleyball in Honolulu in the 20s or 30s, but. It really, you know, the Southern California sport right there at State Beach with, you know, the Selznicks and, and, and the uh, Holtzmans and the Sciences and all of those great players that really, you know, started this wonderful sport out. So it couldn't have been any better uh, to, to be at Sorrento and to have all that, all good friends and then have beach volleyball be a part of it. Now, Don Steer was the... Uh legendary i guess would be a good way to put it santa monica high school football coach is that correct yeah he was and he had you know all his children there he was a scratch guard his patty loved uh beach volleyball and she used to make the trunks we were buying her trunks she had this kind of individual style for volleyball players and a lot of us got those trunks and wore them in the tournaments and 
beach, if not real family type of beach. I mean, there was other characters, uh, Phil Mitchell, uh, Gary Mizak, you know, uh, Peter Philbin, uh, Paul Smith, uh, the Hilton uh, kids. I just, it was just, uh, uh, you know, coming from the surfing and just kind of, just always loving the beach. And then, uh, you know, just more, just really kind of falling for volleyball, even though, you know, the basketball was kind of a part of my life there for, you know, even in the college and so forth. Now, you guys would sit up at the Ivy afterwards and have a few beers and watch the sunset. Yes. You know, you play 15 games a day, 10 games a day, whatever it might be. And uh, you go and swim in the ocean, you come out, you have a cold beer, and you got your sunglasses on, hopefully, and you're checking out or looking at all the beautiful women. So you couldn't. <laughs> you know, it was such a healthy, healthy lifestyle. You know, I mean, I, I always tell people, you know, I didn't have any money, but I, I really didn't know I didn't have any money because I was, you know, so, so healthy and happy doing what I was doing. Is it true that when it came time to pay in the beer tab, Mangus always turned into a ghost? Well, he, I, yeah, he is tight. You know, I see Jim, you know, not very often, but, you know, a couple times a year, and, and and uh, I, I was I was kind of thinking about that question because I go, well, you know, Jim's a pretty smart guy. Why pay for it when you can get it free? <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, playing cards with him and his family. You know, we were so young, and uh, yeah, I, I guess you could say he's on the kind of tight side. I was just watching ESPN today. Well, I was watching part of the interruption, and they were talking about uh, Matt Kuchin. You know, because he just won a tournament and won like a million hundred thousand dollars, and he gave his caddy five thousand. <laughs> so they were pretty, you know, kind of. What Mike Wallace kind of said, "Well, I've heard from a lot of people uh, that's probably what he should shouldn't have done." So I guess we'll kind of go with Jim on that. Maybe he's a he was a little tight, like Matt uh, Kuchar. <laughs> now, where were you guys living at that time? Weren't you over? Uh staying in like one of the frat houses or in the basements or something like that at some point that must have been interesting yeah that came up uh, at ucla i had played uh, two years of basketball for san marcus city college and then i had played two years of volleyball for san marcus city college harold cohen and then i went down to texas and tore up my knee and when you back then, when you transferred from one NCAA school to another, you lost a year of eligibility. So I had no more basketball, but I had one year of volleyball. And Al Skates wanted me for the one year, and that's where we were living at the bottom of Greg Reeks' fraternity house. I believe it was Fyshine, and uh, it was really nice because Greg Lee's dad, Lonnie Lee, and of course his wife Virginia, and of course Greg's two brothers, Chris and John, a wonderful family. Uh, Bonnie Lee and Ron Von Hagen's dad, I don't remember his first name, but they went to bat for me uh, with um, uh, J.D. Morgan, the athletic director at UCLA, and said, listen, you know, I'd like a B-minus average, whatever, and C-plus, and they said, listen, this kid, you want this kid, and let's get him in here, and they, they were, there was about six players that particular year that got an exemption. So when, we, when I was at UCLA, we lived, in an abandoned, but we first of all we lived at the bottom of Greg Lee's Fyside house, and then we also lived in an abandoned fraternity house. <laughs> and the other thing we did, we did pay rent at the bottom of Greg's fraternity house, and then the other house it was so minimal. In fact, 
that Mike Norman was in that in the other abandoned fraternity house, but we were right across the street. We were on Frat Row, you know, so we could walk to our classes, obviously. But that was basically UCLA. I lived in, in Santa Monica, and I was living at home. You know, I, my mom had an apartment over there on uh, Santa Monica, Stanford Avenue. I rode my bike everywhere. You know, I rode to City College. I rode down to the beach, played uh, volleyball, went to rode to practice, and played basketball. So I was just a bike guy for those. Uh, that would be 1969 and 70 at City College, graduating Santa High 68. Now, the one year that you played at UCLA, uh, tell us about your season. Uh, I know, I believe Mangus was on that team. Um, who were some of your other teammates? Um, who were some of the top players um, in the in the NCA that year that you competed against from your recollection that you were really wowed by? And then finally, you know, what was it like playing for the legendary Al Skates as a Bruin? Well, it was hard for me at UCLA because I always felt I should start and I really I was I started a few games at the beginning and then was pretty much came off the bench and it was very difficult and and I uh, it was actually the closest I've ever come to ever quitting a team to be honest with you and it, was, it could have been my own doing I'm not blaming anybody about that um, but uh, uh, Al Skates was a fantastic strategist and uh, we, we got very close. I mean, what happened for, we, we, were, we got to the Western Regionals and we were playing SC at Paul Pavilion. And I forgot somebody, we were down four or five deaths in the first game. You know, this is sudden death to get to the finals of the NCAAs. And uh, Al said, Tom, get in there. And I, I, I just kind of remember, I think, you know, blocking every ball, hitting every ball. I probably ducked some balls. And we, I, I, there's a guy named Dennis Dugan. They call him the Condor. And, and he's an SC alumni. He goes, Tom, single-handedly beat SC in the regionals. And I remember the next day that the Daily Bruin, not only was my name in the sports section of the Daily Bruin, it was everywhere. Like, I was kind of shocked myself. And then the next night, we played San Diego State, and, um, you know, they we had uh, Al started me that night. We won the first game, and then we were down like 10 to 3 in the second game. He put in the second team, and, and I can't remember so many names, Scott, but, you know, Fred Stern was on that second team, and, and uh, they went in and won the game. You know, they came, you know, uh, ended up winning 15 to 10. Well, Al started the first team again in the third game, and we lost the next three straight. Probably one of the most gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching experiences I've had in sports. I, I remember it for it took me two or three days to try to recover. We, I got up to a concert with Willie Gregg and John Lee up in Santa Barbara to see Rod Stewart, maybe his older brother Chris. But I was just crushed. And uh, but uh, and Al afterward in the locker room said, "You know, I really think." I kind of made a coaching error tonight. I should have stayed with that hot team. And that year, Els Paps and Dodge Parker, Dodge Parker being the greatest setter I had ever seen, had passed away when he, I think, went out to, for a jog at such a young age and shocked everybody. But and Miles Pat, and they were on the national team, but they were also on Long Beach State's team. Long Beach State was already there. They were waiting. And then uh, they were heavy favorites. And then San Diego State played them and beat them you know, and, and won the national championship. 
thing to say. I, you know, I forget. I, I was reading some of Mike Norman's interview, and you know, those names he brought back. I go, gosh, I remember all those guys now. But uh, you know, the UCLA team. Mike was on the team, and of course, Jim, and and uh, and you know, they just, you know, Al. It was it, it was kind of a hard experience for me because you know, I, I think I had done a couple good things at the beat at that time. Of course, I, yeah, because I won my first Open in 72, but, you know, I hung in there, and I, I got some satisfaction, you know, against SC, and I got uh, some, uh, even a little bit of the end of the regionals against San Diego State, but, you know, Al, one of the fun things for me was when I played for the Tucson Turquoise in 19. 76 of the IBA, not to jump ahead too much, but I am jumping ahead. Toshi Toyota was on my team, and we were playing Al's team in the IBA, and I forget which team he coached. And uh, Toshi sent me every fall, and we won, uh, we beat them in that match. I guess, you know, beating Al, everybody would have probably liked to do that, you know, right. <laughs> because he was such a great, he's such a great coach, you know? and he was a really heck of a player from what I understand. You know, I, I, I didn't get to see him play. How was Marlowe at San Diego State? Chris, you know what? I saw Chris play when he played for Palisades High School, played Greg Lee, who played for Reseda High. Greg was the first team high school American. And I watched Chris at Palisades High beat them for the LA City Championship. You talking volleyball or ba- basketball? Yeah, this is basketball. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I, I, you know that was quite an upset. And so Chris was, uh, you know, good setter, good defender. He's a good athlete, and uh, uh, you know he was on the winning edge in, at uh, San Diego State when they certainly beat us in that Western Regionals, and. Uh, Obviously went on to the Olympics and so forth. So, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, and he became kind of a Sorrento Beach guy too. You know, I, I think he started a little bit off at state, but I, he, you know, he was close friends with Randy Niles and a lot of those guys were working at the chart house in Westwood and, you know, waiting tables. I believe Mike did and, and they were all volleyball players, you know, down in Sorrento. Storm and Norman. Yeah, he was, uh, I think Von Higgins told me stories that there was a gym in Santa Monica where like jump and touch and Norman, I mean, being for 5'10 or 5'11 or barely six foot, he was touching like 11'5, which is pretty impressive. Was he uh, a pretty uh, explosive player indoors on the team? Yeah, he was. He could, he could really jump, he had a quick arm swing, and, uh, you know, just always in great shape. And, uh, he was a character. I mean, Mike was a very nice guy, and uh, you know, he. Uh, I think you and I had talked a little bit about the incident where he had a Great Dane, and I had a black lab, and the Great Dane at that fraternity house that was abandoned. And Great Dane had uh, my dog by the neck. He hadn't broken skin, but he wouldn't let go. And Mike and I were grabbing pots and pans and getting the Great Dane on the head to let him loose and so forth. But Mike. You know, uh, and we never, it took a while. You know, nobody, I mean, it's not like the dogs were bleeding, but we're going to let go of them. And kind of a, a, a duo trying to get that great thing to let go of Baron, my dog. I forget his dog's name, but we got it done. And, and uh, yeah, my, uh, certainly, he, he, yeah, very, he could really jump. 
and uh, a real character. I mean, he can really do all facets of Very good setter. Uh, you know, a really good athlete. Yeah, he. Uh, I heard he had, uh, you know, a pretty as dynamic of an athlete that he was. He, um, you know, he wasn't. He said he wouldn't look for fights, but he he certainly wouldn't back down from them. So you didn't want to uh, cross the line with them. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, the guy that was really the for me was Sano Bruno Cardi. You know, that's one guy that uh, he really. <laughs> you wouldn't want to mess with him. That's for sure. You know, and thank goodness Santa liked me. So, and I usually got along with everybody. You know, I didn't. I was. I remember Greg Lee saying to me once, Scott. He goes, "Yeah, the thing about getting in a fight is you might get hurt." The philosopher. <laughs> yes, and, you know, Greg was such a smart guy. In valedictorian of his class, and you know. And, you know, his parents, uh, his family, you know, they really got him. They were, Wooden was watching him, I think, when he was in the shoot. And, you know, he was such a, we became such good friends. And, you know, he he was a, just a sharp guy, quick and witty. And, and uh, you know, he had an amazing influence on Bill Walton. You know, they became very close. And, and uh, we got to meet Bill through Greg and so forth. So, uh, you know, for me to, to win my first tournament with Greg, it's, it's always. I think any volleyball player, they win their first tournament with, is always something that's very special to them. Do you guys ever enjoy a uh, complimentary lunch over at Zuki's from time to time with Greg? Yes, we do. That's amazing, Scott. You know about that? Yeah, <laughs> I think that was great. We go in there, Randy Niles, Greg Lee, Jim Mingus, probably four or five of our buddies from Sorrento and San Lahai. And, you know, give me three cheeseburgers and salami, and you know, all of a sudden the bill comes. And and to be honest with you, those actually those bills, I believe, went to Dr. Ernie Vandewa. You know, because he was Walton's uh, rep for the NBA, and of course, Dr. Vandewa was, I believe, him and his brother were NBA players. And of course, he was married to a Miss America, and of course, Kiki, and then Brooke was a heck of a player on the beach, but. Kiki, of course, you know about him and his basketball prowess. And yeah. I remember reading an article Kiki, 12 years old in Sports Illustrated. He was like one of the best swimmers in the nation. You know? But, um, yeah, that was something else. That was really, we, th- we thought we made it to the big time. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would have, too. Yeah. <laughs> Now, on the, when it came to playing on the beach and, you know, getting back to, to um, Serrano and, and seeing Lang and Von Hagen, were there any other players, or including them, that that were established that you just looked at in awe going, gosh, these guys are gods to me. I, um, I can't wait to, you know, see if I can get to their level. Um, you know, for, for me, I think it just, it was Lang and Von Hagen. And I think for me personally, it was Lang. Uh, I mean, I saw Selznick play one time indoors, and I thought that's the greatest arm swing I've ever seen. It was just so perfect. And I thought, if I remember, I thought he was actually a better indoors, and there he was, just most perfect arm swing. So it just was being so young. And watching Lang and Von Hagen dominate that acord and kind of working our way up there and competing, and then uh, there was, as 
Toronto at that time, you know, we were kind of like the, the new guys. And, uh, but I, that kind of stink, it, it's really kind of wrong. You know, it's, it, I don't think I was really ever in awe of anybody. It, it's not that I'm trying to put myself above them or put them down in any, but it's Wayne, for some reason, there was that intimidation of the way he played the game, that killer instinct that kind of set him apart to me. Mengus tells the story of the first time you guys finally, the young lions went on up and took on the uh, the ruling lions and Von Hagen and Lang, and you played them on a court um, after he'd been telling you guys to get up there to play them. And do you remember what happened in that game? Well, I don't, and I, I forgive you. If I, you know, I, for, I forget so much of my past, but I probably it was an eight-zero game. Is that? We didn't know what eight. We thought you had to play to fifteen, if I remember correctly. But there was a rule at Sorrento, and I don't know if that was a rule on the tournament even. Maybe you didn't know that, Scott. But but it was eight-zero, and he goes next. You know, and we were gone, and. I, I didn't know that there was an 8-0 rule, <laughs> but I did know what's next in the court. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, he, he was something else. I mean, you know, the thing about Lang was he could do every facet of the game. Uh, great serve, great setter, great defensive player. But what was amazing about him, because a lot of times, you know, he didn't look like this physical prowess of an athlete. And not that when I say that, that's not to take anything away from him because he is such an athlete, but he would hit the line sometimes where he would snap his wrist down, just hit the ball straight down on the line. You know, and of course he had great cut shots and was so smart savvy, court savvy. But, uh, and then his mental toughness, it, it, that was so impressionable to me. The way he really, that team, the way he drove Von Hague, I mean, he, you know, it was like Von Hague, uh, you know, the yelling, the, not at him in a derogatory way, but just to drive him. We're not going to lose. That just fighter killer instinct was uh, pretty unique in the sport. He, uh, I, I, for me, he was really the most intimidating. Ron was a wonderful player to watch him with Lang and, you know, spike the ball and be so steady and be in such great shape. You know, he took such good care of himself and was so devoted. And, and uh, so, but I think of just... Uh, and it was a great honor when I played with him for the first time and times afterwards because he was such a champion. But for me, it's, it really, it, it was Lang. I mean, he, Greg and I, you know, and Jim, we were such close friends and we were all kind of, you know, we, we I guess we were competitive against each other, but we were uh, such good friends. We we were good friends and we, all, we were playing a sport that we all liked. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen. You can have, you know, like LeBron's got his his crew that do all his promotions but they're not necessarily pro basketball players I'm sure he has pro, pro basketball players that are so uh, yeah I, I, I just never really had the intimidation I don't think of anybody ex- except for, for Ron Lang well I don't think you're the first <laughs> or the yeah. only sounds like everyone that had a, a, a cross paths with him uh found out real quick what he was about well you know I heard I didn't see Brighton O'Hara yeah you know I, uh, I got to know Mike Bright 
He was White Patty, and apparently, you know, he used to win all those paddling contests to San Diego. The guy was supposedly just such a, a bull, just a strong guy, you know. And uh, and I didn't, so it's a lot, the, those guys, I just didn't, I maybe saw, you know, the few guys I saw indoors, you know, like I mentioned, the Team Selznick story, so it was just coming up at Sereno, and, and, and you know, Ron and Ron were the best team there at that time, and so the other guys that came up from, and Sorrento was really the beach, you know, there was hardly anybody up at, up at State, you know, once Gene stopped playing, and State, I think State Beach kind of took over in the 80s and St. Jim and Randy and things like that, you know, but in our era, it was uh, at Sorrento, and, and, and there were days there later on, Scott, that, that literally every court, there'd be three or four courts, it was almost better, stronger than the tournaments. I mean, you had teams that came up from other beaches. Just on a weekday. It was incredible. And then, of course, he lost. He never played again on any court. Yeah, the, the stories, uh, Von Hagen says that sometimes a team that Lang didn't necessarily think belonged on the court against them, um, before they would even start playing, he would say 8-0, 8-0, just so they could hear him and piss him off. And then, and then he'd throttle them, and, and that would be it. So he could get to the, the good team that would be you know, ne- next up on the list to play him. So, and even I love hearing Von Hagen chuckle like a little kid when he uh, recites those stories of Lang just doing one of those Lang things, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> you've been Langed. <laughs> yeah, I have been. There's no question about it. Next. Um, you got your AAA rating with Vogie in San Diego. What an adventure that was from what I've heard. Let's hear that story. <laughs> well, you know, it, the, we've been, and I'm still trying to figure this out. What happened was we had our first match Saturday at whatever it was, 9 or 10 o'clock. But Vogie's not there. And I can't remember if I grabbed a girl or a guy on the sideline. Because the first match back then, Scott, we were actually playing against, I believe, a guy and a girl that they, they couldn't even hit the ball with the net. But somehow they were in the open in San Diego in the beach volleyball. You know, this is so long ago. Well, it would have been 1970. And uh, so, so then, after I'm, I'm so mad, you know, here I'm playing with Bogey in a San Diego open and and uh, hopefully I'm going to, you know, do well in this tournament. And he's not there for the first match. So somehow, I can't, I don't know if I played them by myself. I just can't remember. But, but they, could, they, could, they couldn't even hit the ball over the court. So, you know, I, I won like 15-4. So I, I'm storming around looking for him everywhere. And I go in this bar, and there he's got a babe with him. And he's got a pitcher of beer. I go, Vogie, what are you doing? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so then, at least after that, he showed for the tournament, and we played in the tournament. And I believe, because my memory really is so bad, but I believe he had Von Hagen and Lang uh, for third place. We had them like thirteen to ten or something. We, we we had a real good chance to win that, get third place in the tournament somehow. It didn't happen, and we ended up getting fourth, but I got my AAA. But, you know, talk about a crazy, I don't even, maybe it's not even legit. <laughs> I, you know, the, first, the first match, uh, I, hopefully I played that team tough, but I, 
But I've never heard of anything like that, right? An open tournament where the team does the players are there for the first match, but you ended up in fourth place uh, in it. But Bogey was a heck of an athlete. And he was such a character. I, I think you and I were talking that, you know, we'd be at Sorrento, we'd be playing games and stuff, and we'd watch him go down to the beach, and there'd be a lady there, and he'd go up and say hello, and five minutes later he's walking away from her, and 15 feet over there was another girl, a couple of hello to them, and then they just, <laughs> but he, <laughs> one time, I think it was me and him and uh, Greg Lee and my friend Steve Olin, I believe, and we flew to Las Vegas and we hit hike back. <laughs> you hit what? We, we flew to Las Vegas, me, Bogey, and Steve, and I, I can't remember, maybe Jim was with us. We flew to Las Vegas, but we hit hike back. We lost our money. <laughs> Classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, that actually happened to me another time as well, sort of, a complete thing. But uh, uh, there was a, a there was a league yeah, right after graduating from UCLA in '73. Scott, and you probably heard of this because you've done your research. But there was a league form called the Winston League. It was a semi-pro league. We had about six teams in Southern California. I think they gave us four hundred dollars for a month. But a lot of the uh, players back east came out for it. Back Doug Beal, who ran the uh, volleyball for many years came out and uh, all these East Coast players came out and played in this thing and so I kept trying to prove myself indoors this is right after UCLA and, and uh, my coach was Mike Bright and wow. so we're playing Pepper Memorial Junior High School and he's going to be the player coach and he, he, he snaps his Achilles tendon him and I are playing Pepper so he ends up being the coach and I remember him teaching us the drill on how to dive indoors. Yeah. So he put up he put up a stick. We'd run around that stick, and he'd throw the ball out there, and we started diving. Well, shoot, you know, you you got to learn how to dive. Otherwise, your shoulders, blades, and you know, your whole upper body's just bruised and red. So you had to kind of you better get the idea of this pretty quick. Otherwise, you're going to be going through a torture thing. So that was. What was great about that is I made the Winston All-Star team, and we went to the Nationals, and uh, Randy Stevens was our center, and his dad, Clint Stevenson, was a big booster, you know, for this whole Winston League and stuff, and it was in Reno, and I lost my per diem, gambling. So I had to go to Clint, and Clint go, you know, I'm, I'm out of dope, Clint, any chance of getting a little extra money? No problem, Tom, we'll take care of you on that. But anyway, we, we got second at the Nationals, and the team that beat us was the national team, which I believe was Byron Schumann, Duncan McFarlane. I uh, can't really remember who else was on. Uh, might have been. I don't know if Dodge was on that team or not, but Parker. But uh, we. Uh, but I felt good. I got second team All-American. Uh, but it was the uh, – my two instances of gambling, I guess, with volleyball were uh, – I lost my per diem and uh, <laughs> in, in the other incident. Having to hitch back, uh, hitchhike back yeah. with Vogie. <laughs> Curious enough, when I talked to Vogie about that one time, he said he was he won everything in Vegas, and you guys started giving him money to play because he would win every time. <laughs> so the fact that you had to hitchhike back pretty much tells me everything I need to know on that one. <laughs> he, he was a good athlete, I think. 
played basketball for the Washington Generals, you know. Uh, I remember Jerry Sanders actually approached me once to play for the Washington Generals, but I think Bogey played for them. And uh, But you know what, he, he, I guess he was down there playing beach volleyball, I think it must have, what, in his 50s or 60s? I mean, uh, but he was 6'6", six, six, you know. And he, I think they became pretty good friends with Wilt, too, yeah. you know. Who played uh, left and who played right when you played with him in San Diego? Yeah, and he played left. And he was primarily a left type player, but he was a good enough athlete. I think he played tournaments on the right as well. You know, those days you kind of were favored. You know, you really kind of had favorable sides. For myself, I felt, God, once you kind of get a little bit of a beat in the indoor games, indoor game itself, you know, obviously you've got to learn how to hit from the left side. You should be able to do that. In doubles on the beach. I mean, I played with Rick Shaw in a couple tournaments, and I played the left side. Uh, but I should have, you know, I should have been able to pick that left side up better on the beach. You certainly had, you know, Ron Von Hagen won tournaments on the right side. Uh, I think Randy Stoke was won a tournament on the right side with Jim Mangus. Right, Mangus did it, but uh, you know, I think it was kind of like you kind of grew up on your side, you know, and you mm-hmm. uh, and. and uh, I think that's kind of changed. I mean, you watch Noah Hauser, he's going to go play the right, you know, if he gets a partner that he wants on the left side. He's capable of doing it. I, especially, I think, if you, if once you play the indoor game, I, you really should be able to side out and do the things on the left side. Right. This concludes part one of our interview with Tom Shamalas. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for part two. I'd like to give credit to the musicians that we use. For the intro music, the band is Sponge. The song title is Rainin' off the album Rotting Pinata. The closing music that you'll hear shortly is from the band Magna Carta Cartel out of Sweden. The song title is That It's Already Too Late off the album Good Morning Restrained. And if you haven't checked out our website, which is godstoghost.com, please do so. If you love the sport of volleyball, we take pride in the fact that we're doing what we can to commemorate the history of this amazing sport. Thank you.